Hello everybody and welcome to Drags Across the Pond official podcast. I'm Jamie and today I'm joined with my co-partner Robson. Robson, how are you doing? Uh, I'm all good considering, mate. Yeah, uh, just happy to talk about another Jags game, obviously. Not the result we wanted, but uh, an exciting week coming up. So hopefully we can uh, we can put this behind us and uh, move on to the to London week, as we say. Absolutely. And no surprises, we also are joined with our partner, Brit Jag. Brit Jag, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm really good, thank you. Uh, good to be back. And like I say, it's kind of just becoming a, a regular thing now. Yeah, I feel that our tone is getting a little lower and a little more down as the weeks go on. Actually, Brit Jack sim- sounds thrilled about that as well. <laughs> yeah. Very similar to previous uh, previous seasons and things. Um, just to let everybody know, we are recording this on Tuesday evening, so Tuesday after the game. Um, so there's been a couple of bits of news that has obviously been announced overnight last night. Um, that obviously we'll discuss today as well in our podcast. Um, and this week is a very special week as it is London game week where the Jaguars come to town, come over across the pond, over to the UK. Um, we're going to give you two podcasts this week. And this podcast today is going to be solely about the Giants game and discussing some of the news. And then later on in the week, we will give you another podcast, um, which will be a preview for the Broncos game and also give you um, our kind of insight into London and hopefully we'll have some information about kind of what our whereabouts are going to be and what we can do um, to make the most of our our long weekend in London with the Jaguars. So let's kick things off straight away. Jaguars played against us in New York Giants at the weekend. Um, We were at home and we uh, went in as the favourites to win the game by three points. And let's start it off. Brit Jag predicted a win. I've still got my notes here from last week. Brit Jag's <laughs> prediction was 24-21 to the Jaguars, win by a field goal. And Robson had a very similar score. He had 24-21 or 20-17 to the Jaguars. Whereas myself, I predicted that the Giants were going to come out victorious 21-14. And yes, I can rub it in everybody's faces. I was the closest because the New York Giants did win this game. They, in fact, won 23 17. With that result, um, the the Giants started off on offense first and converted on their first drive. And then the Jaguars followed up with a, a another drive straight off the bat, coming in with a touchdown as well. It was very close throughout the whole of the game. However, obviously the New York Giants managed to see us off in that last quarter, which is what they've done all season long. And as we spoke about in our last podcast last week, we mentioned how New York Giants are so strong in that fourth quarter and their comebacks every single time to come back and win. So the Jaguars went into the fourth quarter, leading at 17-13. And obviously in the end, the Giants got themselves 10 points in the fourth quarter to come out and take the win. So firstly, let's start with yourself, Brick Jag. Um, it'd be good for you to break down the offense if you could for us. Um, how did the offense fare last week against the Giants? Um, I think the offense did a, a fairly good job. Um, there was a lot of movement down the field. I feel like there's only one three and out drive all game. Um, and obviously that was when we were really pegged back. Um, obviously, ish, the problems on offense that was... The biggest one that stands out is the ETN fumble. Um, so when we're so close to the end zone, that's an absolute killer. Um, and going for it on the, the kind of the fourth down instead of the field goal, I think those are the kind of two two bits that really stand out as negative. Other than that, I feel like we did pretty well moving the ball. Trevor made some big plays. Um, it was quite impressive. And, and we literally got within one in, well, not one, obviously one yard of the the end zone which I mean you can't really come much closer to to winning a game um I think that that's a positive for me and I feel like that's two weeks in a row now that the pressure has been on Trevor when we've in the past we've seen him kind of falter and and have issues and and okay there were flags that benefited us on on that drive um but he still got us down pretty much as close as he possibly could have to scoring. And obviously last week he did lead us on a scoring drive. So that's positive. I think that shows growth by him. Um, obviously ETN had a great game. Um, got to get his first touchdown and his first over 100-yard game. 
Um, probably not as much of a split as we'd, we'd have liked to have seen. Um, and again, kind of seemed to get away from the run a little bit. But overall, I, I think the offence was was good. Um, I wouldn't say great, but I, I certainly think they were good enough to win us the game. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, the offence, I think they did very well in certain elements of the game. Um, they scored on three out of eight of their opportunities this week. I see one of them was a fumble, which would have resulted in a touchdown as um, he was, I think he was two yards shy of the end zone. Um, the other the other possession that they didn't convert was the one just before half time. Um, where they had um, 30 seconds left on the clock. Um, and obviously they lost the downs and that was the end of the half. And then it seemed to, they seemed to have struggled obviously in that second half again. So we scored on our very first drive, which took us up 17-13. Um, but then after that, we, we struggled to kind of move the ball. So the very next possession the Jaguars had, we punted the ball away, um, having, having only shaved off one minute 27s on the clock. Then we... Marched down the field for 60 yards on our next drive. However, we um, had the the fourth down and we didn't convert on that one, which is one that you just mentioned, Brit Jag. Um, and then on our next drive, we punted away. Um, with we only shaved off again one minutes and two seconds, but we was losing at that point. And then obviously then the end of the game, obviously the the horrible the horrible tale and the horrible story where we was so yet so close yet so far, obviously to converting converting the win on our home ground. Um, uh, Robson, how do you feel that the offence did? Was there any kind of standout performers for you on the week? Uh, I think you've got to look at um, ETN, obviously. He he obviously took the the brunt of the work uh, against the Giants. I think looking at him, you've got to say that he was very involved. I think I think Trevor did a very good job of, of finding targets. He, put, he, put, he seemed to put balls in places where kind of any of the receiver could catch them. Um, I think a little bit of work in the red zone could do for him, but I think overall we did a good job. Good to see Christian Kirk get involved. I know we saw him try a uh, a trick play throw across to ETN later in the game, but I think again he had a solid performance also. Um, a little bit of a worry for me was um, some of the pressure the Giants seemed to, uh, I think, seemed to give us. And again, they're a very physical bunch, a very very athletic bunch. Um, I think some of the O line play was a bit uh, up and down at times, but I think overall as an offense, it seemed to be very very much improved. Um, they seem to scheme up uh, with the Giants and obviously kind of know where to hit them in terms of uh, where to throw the ball or run the ball. And I think that's obviously hindered us in the previous weeks, especially the Colts the week before. So I think overall it was a good job from the offence. We just didn't have enough to get it done right at the end. Yeah, I think I think actually you just mentioned the O-line. I actually think the O-line had a pretty solid game this week. Um, no sacks on Trevor Lawrence this week, so they kept him pretty well protected. And obviously also 142 rushing yards for the Jaguars as well. It means obviously I feel that the, the O-line had a solid outing in total on the day. Um, we'll talk a little bit about Trevor Lawrence. He had 22 completions from 43 attempts and he threw for 310 yards. Um, so his completion ratio obviously isn't as good as what it was um, last week. Um, a lot of those throws were down to um, obviously the last quarter when we were trying to march down the field fairly quickly. Um, so some of those um, attempts are excusable. However, there were especially in the first half, there was a few overthrows and a few issues um, with Trevor Lawrence's accuracy this week. Um, was that any concerns for you, Britt Jag? Was anything you saw out there? Um, I, I still don't think it's necessarily area of concern. Obviously, all QBs do overthrow occasionally, and I feel like it is becoming less with him. Um, and obviously, there is an element of that in the past he's had his issues with his interceptions, and in certain situations, it's better to overthrow it than underthrow it, um, especially opposite if it's on the um, on the sidelines and just put it out. So if they're not going to catch it, there's no chance for an interception. So I, I do think, to a degree. It's kind of just comes part and parcel with a with a young QB, um, but I also I do, I do find that he tends to sometimes start the game a little bit like that and just kind of finds his rhythm, and it just takes him a few throws to kind of get the right kind of balance and um, yeah, so I don't think it's really concerning for me. 
Yeah, like at stages I want to be mad at Lawrence um, because of his overthrows, and sometimes they happen at such horrible times in the game, um, and they happen quite repetitively. Like we can go a whole drive where he'll overthrow and overthrow and overthrow, and then we go obviously free and out. Um, but then there's sometimes like I see, like we can go to that probably that last that last drive of the game where he was just it was just pinpoint perfect to be fair um, and really really solid. So. Where I see being quite negative, obviously, on the previous drive and previous plays um, where it felt like he'd crumbled under the pressure um, and was just overthrowing. The very next drive, he'll then go and do something fantastic. And we'd be having a completely different conversation now if that that final ball from Kirk was was caught in the end zone. And obviously the Jacks won 24-23. We'd be probably saying how much of a kind of how much of a, like a saviour he was obviously on the day because throwing for 310 yards is very good. Um, yet that's that's obviously a fantastic achievement, and obviously that's a compliment to um, some of the receivers as well. So I just mentioned obviously some of the receiving yards obviously on the day. Christian Kirk, 96 yards on the day, um, completed seven from 10 targets. Evan Engram um, at 67 yards on the day. Marvin Jones, 57 yards. Zay Jones, 54 yards. So some some very solid yardage there from um, our top um, three receivers and then also obviously Ingram, obviously our top tight end as well, um, which is absolutely great to see. And it was great to see Ingram um, catch some balls on the New York Giants, as a lot of Giants fans obviously said that Ingram couldn't catch. So it was absolutely great um, to obviously see some of that this week. Um, my only question mark is obviously on that 50% um, ratio. Obviously, you only catch it, uh, only com- 22 completions from 44 in total um, for the, over the whole team. So, obviously, Kirk's one's in there. Um, but then for me, um, I think there's lots more positives to kind of take out of that. The one question I'll probably ask you, Robson, on the offense before we kind of move on to the other side of the ball is yet again. So the Jaguars have been leading throughout games and leading through to the end of the third quarter. However, we end up throwing the ball double the amount of times of what we are rushing the ball again. So Etienne, 14 carries, 114 yards on the day, and he got himself a touchdown. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence also also got himself a rushing touchdown. Why on earth are we only having 21 carries on the day? And four of those carries are coming from Trevor Lawrence. So if you take strip those out, that's 17 carries to running backs. Oh, well, actually take away Zay Jones and Christian Kirk's one carry as well. So actually only 15 carries to running backs on the day, but we're having 44 passing attempts. Is there any way you can kind of explain that and try and make that make sense, Robson? See, I think I look at that and... It... I don't think I've actually looked at the numbers correctly, like before, in, like in past weeks. But as you say, like, like we're attempting to throw the ball 40 plus times, and again, only attempting to to rush that half of that. And I think, I think, I think we've all been a bit naive into thinking that Doug Peterson was going to come in, and obviously we had the dual threat at the start in terms of Robinson and ATN. I think we were a bit naive to think that we were going to definitely pound the rock and obviously pick teams apart that way to open the field up. But if I remember right, when I, when Peterson had Carson Wentz, it was a very throw first offense. Uh, he had a very, I think he had a committee of running backs at the time um, in Sanders and Jordan Howard that, um, at the Eagles. And I think he he was based on the fact that he would go for it on four downs. He potentially would throw it all four downs and kind of trickle, it, trickle his way down the field that way. And I think I would understand it personally if the run game wasn't working. But as you said there, you've had another runner there today, well, on Sunday, that's averaged eight yards a carry at 114 yards, minus the one fumble in the red zone. But ETN's obviously shown that he's he's able to run the ball and obviously the O-line as you said there obviously did well in that aspect we're proving well enough to to run the ball on teams especially physical defences which I've always been a bit anxious about and I don't understand why we're not really doing that and as, as you say I think that just really adds to the pressure because then we're becoming a bit more a bit more predictable in, t- in terms of our approach because most of the time you do see Lawrence uh, set up in the gun and obviously I think defences kind of scheme against us and think well nine times out of ten they're going to pass here so we can kind of do that and obviously still cover the run if we need to uh, so I think that's just the big problem. I think that's what Bridget alluded to as well like in previous weeks, that the, there's a lot of pressure on Lawrence for that factor, the fact that he's been told, OK, we're going to throw the ball 40 times. We expect you to get something out of this. Again, he's thrown for 310 yards, but obviously only an average of seven seven yards per throw. So it's kind of like, how are we, how are we going to try and beat teams like that if we're really struggling to get that side of the ball going anyway, when you've got a perfectly good run game that's able to not beat teams, but we've shown before, we've we beat the Chargers kind of on the run as well, which was massive. And again, we got doing it against the Colts as well earlier in the season. So 
I, for me, can't get my head around it. We've got a great crop of receivers, don't get me wrong, but obviously the more you keep them on the field, the harder it's going to get open because defences seem to know where to go, what position to put themselves in to stop us from being uh, successful with the passing game, really. And I don't know if you've got another take on that as well, but I think it's just a we're coming a bit unstuck here and coming a bit too predictable in that aspect and teams are just easily dissecting us apart on the offense in terms of in terms of our passing game obviously we've had moments where it's been really really good again that last drive on Sunday was great apart from not scoring but we find ourselves in a in a problem here where like teams are happy for us to throw the like keep throwing the ball although we're picking them apart with the run game as seems I don't and I don't know if you guys have got anything else to add on that but I think it's quite baffling myself um I, I think um not as an excuse for kind of in the past weeks because I, I agree. I, I do think we're we're not utilising it enough, but I do think potentially this week there were a lot of even like first and long situations with the with the with all of the flags and the penalty flags. We were quite often pegged back to kind of one in fi- one in fifteen, or so. Obviously, I feel like that that might have played a bit of a part in it, just because obviously the long distance you do tend to favour the throw. But I agree, it's it's it does seem daft not to make more use of it in weeks gone past um, than, than we have been. Yeah, so when we look at um, other stats, so firstly, we'll, we'll we'll talk about the Giants very quickly as that is the current week. So Giants, we know they are a run-heavy team. 39 rushing attempts this week and only 30 passing attempts. They won the game. Other most notable team, obviously best for their rushing. Obviously, we'll talk about Philadelphia Eagles. 50 rushing attempts against us and only 25 passing attempts. And then when we look at the week when we beat the Colts, 24-0, we had 37 rushing attempts and only 30 passing attempts. And as we can see, there seems to be a pattern and a trend here. Um, It should be almost a 50-50 split. And probably the other most notable one is if we look at the... um, if we look at the Texans as well, um, obviously they have established a bit of a run game um, and they certainly did against the Jaguars. 31 rushing attempts and only 24 passing attempts. All of those ended up victorious in favour of the team that rushed more than what they did past, past the ball, basically. Yes, you can talk about how the NFL is becoming a is more of a passing game now than what it has ever been. Um, however, I feel like the Jaguars are not they're not utilising their bread and butter. And obviously, if we're so confident that um, Etienne is making yards, and, and he is making yards, like he had he had one long this week of 49 yards. But there was, there was a, I think I can remember, I think there was at least two times where I thought the play was dead on the line of scrimmage. And then Etienne just ended up coming out and making an extra two yards out of nothing. So uh, there absolutely is elements where Etienne's obviously doing extremely well with that. And if someone was to sit back and ask me the question now, um who's what's better is our is our is our wide receivers better or are our running backs better i'd say up until sunday our running backs were certainly better and probably more reliable than what our wide receivers were and um totally get the point that you've just mentioned um brit jag about the penalty situation but even with those uh, even obviously with those penalties it felt like even when we was on first and 10 we were still passing the ball and we mentioned it in um previous weeks where we're like third and two, we're going for passing or even second and two, we're, we're passing the ball instead of obviously just literally grinding it through um, and just literally getting ourselves the first down. It was great to see obviously Trevor Lawrence get himself a few more first downs again this week and extending plays. I think there was one pulled back um, because of a penalty. Um, we will talk about the penalties now, as I mentioned it. The Jaguars discipline was absolutely atrocious on offense and defense again this week. 13 penalties for a total of 81 yards. The New York Giants weren't innocent either in themselves. They also let up 67 yards and um, eight penalties on the day, which did help extend some drive for the Jaguars also. But let's move on to our defence now. Um, obviously, I briefly just mentioned about how um, how the Giants kind of spread their game about. So Jones, he completed 19 from 30 attempts for 202 yards he scored a um he scored a touchdown and he also passed for a touchdown as well and he was sacked only once on the day but that was one more than what Trevor Lawrence was sacked their leading at Russia obviously was Saquon Barkley with 110 yards 
but only marginally behind was Jones with 107 yards, only three yards their quarterback was behind. And their leading receiver was Slayton um, with 58 yards on the day. So, um, Robson, what what's your overall first thoughts on the defence on the day? Kind of uh, is the question what went wrong? What went wrong? Because we did only let up 23 points. Um where we could have probably let up a little bit more, especially obviously as we was expecting Barkley to um, kind of run with the game and have a breakout week. But I suppose that is the question. What did go wrong and why did the Jaguars lose this week? I think, I think we both, well, all three of us actually spoke about it in last week's pod in regards to the fact that they've got Saquon Barkley, who's, who's no doubt one of the best running backs in the league, but then they've got Daniel Jones, who seems to be one of the best QB runners in the league. Um, and I think we spoke about obviously stopping Saquon, and I think we did a fairly good job of that. Um, over his 24 carries, only got 110 yards, averaging just under five. I thought, I think, considering how powerful he is and a lot of his yards are after contact, I think we did a fairly good job. The thing that really got to me was, I think all three of us have spoke about it. Like we sent a lot of pressure, a lot, but it seemed to be there was a lack of detail and um, a lack of attention to the fact that Jones is pretty elusive when he sees something's not open. Um, because I think their offensive passing scheme is quite basic. So I think as soon as he sees through the maybe the first two reads he can't see that's uh, going to be able to throw to, he takes off. And for me, the amount of times that he ended up getting five to seven yards that most of the time got them a first down or near to a first down uh, was quite staggering, really. As you just said there, he ran for 107 yards, averaging 10, 10 um, per carry, which is kind of like, what are we doing in team meetings through the week? Like, have they not seen the fact that their whole offense runs through him effectively, whether he passes it or runs it? It's just how it seems to work in New York. So for me, I said about obviously why we didn't have really like, like a spy or anything like that on him or anything like that. I know it's obviously easy to say that now. But there might be a miscommunication on the field. But to me, what it looked like, it seemed there was no, uh, no uh, understanding of who was really going to be looking after the QB if he got outside the pocket. I think... The main aim was kind of like plan A and plan A, plan A doesn't work. We'll make it up because plan A was just to rush the QB. And again, we got home a couple of times. I know Aluokan obviously got the penalty against him uh, on the interception from Lloyd. I know that I know that kicked us back. And obviously that was a good play apart from the penalty. But overall, without that, we didn't really get a lot of pressure. And obviously we we kind of struggled on the outside. Obviously Josh Allen had a few penalties, but he got there a few times. Walker kind of got a bit stunted apart from the sack. Uh, so it was kind of a missing hit, really. I was a I was a bit worried about the about the secondary, but obviously their receiver room isn't lightning and isn't scary apart from the slate and touchdown at the start. Um, I felt that they controlled that quite well. So I think at the end of the day, the game is going to be one in the trenches. And I think the D-line did a good enough job on their side of the ball. But I think every, everything else that in terms of the scheme against them was kind of a bit under par. And I think for us to let him go for 11 carries, 107 yards, it kind of speaks volumes because I think that's his first 100-yard game this season, but he still rushed quite a lot this season and he scored from it also so and obviously that's what's their that's what their 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 offense is based around so it's kind of like what are we really doing there and it's kind of really really like frustrating that we weren't able to to capitalize on that with the amount of talent we've got on defense I don't know if you two agree with me on that one but that's just that's my 10 cents for it really yeah Brit Jag um obviously we've we've had a few question marks over our secondary in the past weeks um we heard that Griffin was out of this last week's game how did the secondary fare on the day? Obviously, they let up 202 yards overall to receivers. How, how did the secondary fare? Were, were you comfortable with them? Were you confident with them this week? Um, I definitely feel like there was progress. There was improvement. Um, and I think I felt like Jenkins had a good game. Um, Campbell as well looked, looked pretty solid. Um, Darius Williams looked, I think, the best I've seen him for us. Um, and obviously, he was playing on. Uh, looked like on on the outside for the most. I think he switched with Trey Hendon at one point. Um, but yeah, cause I, I believe it was Trey Hendon that got burnt for the touchdown pass, or or at least um, one of the big scores, uh, of one of the big plays. Um, yeah, and I don't remember really remember an awful lot of getting absolutely torched and and kind of being given up big chunk plays in in the passing game. So, for me, that's that's progress. Um, obviously, Daniel Jones isn't isn't kind of an elite passer or anything like that, but he's still capable. Um, and I feel like we did a a pretty kind of average 
average job on on the defense. So progress from the week before. Yeah, there was certainly some progress. I've seen progress in the secondary and the week before. Um, but now let's talk a little bit more about our um, our defensive ends and our kind of our linebackers. Um, we seem to be struggling to kind of get that penetration onto the the quarterback. Um, we did it twice, um, which resulted in penalties on the play in the end. Um, and we did turn over the ball the first one. And there was a fumble in the first half. Jones fumbled the ball, but obviously that was brought back for a penalty. And also then it happened again in the second half, which Robson has mentioned. Um, obviously the late hit on Jones, um, which led to... Um, Lloyd intercepting the ball, but that was also brought back. So two potential turnovers this week, um, which were kind of overruled due to penalties in the end. Um, what I think we asked, I asked this question last week, but I'll ask it again to you, Britt Jag. What what's going wrong on this um, on this D line at the moment? Because we're st- we're still not getting anywhere. We're still not pressurising. Um, we're not pressuring them enough. And obviously, as we've said, we we let Daniel Jones get 107 rushing yards this week, which just is unacceptable. Yeah, so it is. It's becoming an area of concern, um, especially when we've kind of put that much value in draft stock into that defensive line um especially on the defensive ends like to to not to get one sack against this offensive line which i believe is quite banged up anyway um and they lost evan neal during the game as well um so you've got either josh allen or trayvon walker at times going up against backup o-line men and we managed one sack which is just I, it's mind-boggling. I don't I don't really know what else to suggest. I mean, Josh Allen obviously is approaching his well, he's already been given his fifth year. Um, he really needs to kind of make that step up now because he's kind of been kind of a good player for us. Um, but he's and every it's like you said, you know, every now and again he will have a really big game and it's great and it's fantastic. But they aren't coming regularly enough and Trayvon Walker is obviously still in his rookie year but he's starting I mean we saw him up against um Thibodeau I don't feel like Thibodeau had had, had kind of a a dominating game either but when you look at Aidan Hutchinson now he's on I believe he's on like four four and a half sacks on the year and obviously Trayvon's only on two He's starting to get a little bit worrying that he kind of doesn't have more in his tank other than his sheer power and size. And he's kind of got that bull rush move. But if that doesn't work, he doesn't seem to have a lot else in his tank. Yeah, I hope he comes up with um, with some moves this weekend because Josh Allen does seem to perform a bit better when he's in London. Um, What are your thoughts on the um, D-line Robson? Because I'm not sure if I asked you last week this one. Yeah, so for me, I get kind of what Brick Jag alerted to there. I think it's it's a situation where I think Josh Allen's playing really good football at the moment. I think it's kind of going under the radar a little bit, apart from the stats. Obviously, stats are a big part of it, but I think in terms of if you just watch him play by play, he's causing a lot of disruption on his side of the line, and he just seems to obviously get in the face of the QB um, more often than not. I think Trevon Walker, obviously, being a, being a rookie this year, I think... I expected a bit more out of them in terms of uh, versatility in regards to his pass rush, I think as Brick alluded to there as well. Um, we kind of see that, I think everyone's aware now in the league that he's very, very strong and very, very powerful and stuff like that. And I know that he did get chipped a little, um, a few times by receivers and what, or tight ends on the, on the end of the line on the weekend, which stopped him from really getting there. But I think I've seen again, as uh, as Brick said, uh, Aiden Hutchinson, I've seen his Four and a half sacks. He's been very versatile in how he's got about them. He's not just simply bulldozed the the tackle over. It's uh, it's been very much a, a situation where he's been able to uh, get at the QB in a way that's very very different with, with a swing move or anything like that. But I think Walker's got to add that to his uh, his repertoire if he's going to make a difference. Otherwise, he's just it is quite simple for tackles to get at him that way and obviously just just stand up and be as powerful because he's not really going up against too many rookie tackles this year. I don't think maybe apart from obviously Evan Neal was there this year, but I think on, on, on his side of the line, he's coming up against seasoned vets, which obviously I think the first trick in the book is you learn is just to stand your ground and obviously fight them off. So I think he's got to 
do that also and obviously be a bit more versatile in that aspect. And I'm, I'm, I'm quite surprised as well because the amount of pressure we're sending on the blitz, um, you would have thought him and Alan would have had a lot more success. So there's got to be something into that. And I probably need to dive into the film on that aspect to, to work out why that's not happening and why it's not coming off and why they're not being able to get to them. Because I think I think the pressures are there and we are getting a couple of QB hits and stuff like that and even passes defended at the line. But it's just, as you say, like the sacks do count and they do mean something in this league and obviously for your team. What about you on that one, Jay? What do you think? Um, well, I think um, obviously we can say that Josh Allen's getting pressures and stuff in there. But again, the stats aren't really proving it. And I know obviously the big stat that we look at is obviously the sacks, but also QB pressures. Obviously, we, we do look into that as well. And um, on paper, obviously, Josh Allen still isn't recording too many of those. Um, for me, kind of what gets me is obviously we have quite a lot of rotation going on in that position as well um, between kind of the defensive ends and the linebackers. But we're just not getting that kind of freshness from from the team. So just having a look at look at the percentage from snaps from last week. Um, and overall, there were 77 defensive snaps last week. Um, Walker played for 67 of them. Um, so that's 87 percent. Um, Josh Allen played for 56 of them, which was 73 percent. So for the guy who we are paying kind of we're paying big money for obviously on that fifth year option, sorry, um, I probably would expect him to be having more than 73 percent of the snaps um, unless there's some sort of underlying kind of issue in there. Um, we do have obviously Robert um, Roy Robertson Harris, 68 percent of the overall snaps. Um, Fatty Cassie, 62 percent. Hamilton 61%. So we've got this, we've got this movement, we've got this um, continuous rotation. Um, you can then start looking at we've got Smoot, um, Keem, and Mummer. Obviously, and then obviously mentioned obviously Alua Khan, obviously Lloyd. Um, those two players obviously played 100% of the snaps um, this last week. So um, we've got that repetition there. We've got six, seven guys who is there to kind of to rush. Um, to rush at the quarterback, but we're just not kind of making it. Those freshness of legs, we're just not getting there. Um, I don't know if there's a piece that the Jaguars defense needs to be um, working with the coaches on some some moves. I mean, they should know this. They're, they're elite players now. They shouldn't need to be coached and trained on learning moves to be able to beat an O-lineman and a battered O-line team at that, which is what happened at the weekend. Obviously, there was two two injuries, I think, on in the play this week, which obviously forced some of their starting O-line off. Um, I think I've seen a couple more bits to kind of look at outside of that kind of defence side now. I think we've kind of mentioned the defence enough. Um, the only last stat that we probably mentioned on there is there was four tackle for losses on the week. Um, one for Walker, one for Robertson-Harris, one for Devon Hamilton and one for Lua Khan as well. Talking just a very a small piece about um, the special teams, um, I think that were kind of I mentioned over the weekend, um, and you all kind of agreed with as well. I don't understand why the Jaguars continually want to run the ball out of the end zone every single time. Um, I'm quite a good believer of um, the balls in that end zone, let it go dead and start in the 25 yard line. Um, it seemed that hasty this week, wanted to kind of run it out every time. Um, and he still only averaged 25. I think he, he had a long of 27. Um, so he averaged just over 20 yards um, on each kind of kick return this week. So um, I don't understand kind of what we're really what we're really doing there um, from that sort of perspective. Um, looking at the other parts of the special team, obviously Patterson, he had one successful field goal um, and he missed his um, he missed his only XP on the week as well. Um, there was a couple of occurrences that we probably should have gone for field goal. Um, most notable is obviously that fourth down when we went for it on fourth down. If we went for that three points, um, that could have changed the dynamic of a good game massively. I do believe it was only a 38 yard field goal attempt if they'd gone for it at that point as well. Um, and then finally, obviously, Logan Cook um, continuing to impress in his punting position. Um, he's done it, obviously, over the last few seasons now. And last season, obviously, he was very, very good in that sort of aspect. Um, the Jaguars obviously didn't win the game this week, as we've been speaking about and talking about today. Um, so we won't kind of have a play of the day. Um, but is there any kind of standout performances that you probably want to shout out this week? We'll start with yourself, Robson. Uh, yeah, I think I think personally it was good to see um, just a couple of like highlights for me. I think having to see um, ETN have a go, obviously uh, his first hundred yard uh, rushing game um, was very good to see. But I think I think for me to see Christian Kirk get in the game 
um, was quite big for me. Uh, he caught some big passes in, 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 in big situations, minus the one that he did drop. But there was there was times where like it kind of looked unstuck. Were we going to complete the pass? Were we going to move the chains? And I think Kirk uh, came up trumps, obviously still not hitting his um, effectively wide receiver one money that we paid him in the off season. But it's a step in the right direction. And it's a step where we were able to get him the ball. It seemed to be he was uh, lined up in a few different positions this week, um, not just in the slot where he he tends to be. Um, and he came, he seemed to have a bit more freedom in his route running as well, in terms of a couple of choice routes, which was quite nice. Um, and I think him and uh, him and Trevor Lawrence have obviously got a, a connection because obviously you've seen clips from training camp, pre-season, everything. Like there seems to be a connection there, it's just getting him the ball. So hopefully that's a sign of things to come. And it's just good to see him get the ball in his hands, really. And what about yourself, Rick Jag, any kind of standout performers on the day? Robson has picked Kirk, so who are you saying? I think, yeah, for me it was going to be one or two, um, Kirk or Etienne. So I'll go for Etienne just because, as you were saying, like there were there were times that he seemed like he was kind of dead at the line and he still managed to kind of wiggle his way through and gain yards. One that really springs to mind is, um, I don't know what it was, it was some sort of elastic that they grabbed hold of, like a piece of clothing. And it just stretched. For, it seemed to stretch for yes. miles, yeah. and he just kept going. And um, yeah, just it, I think it's good to know. Like we're, we're finally starting to see that first round kind of ability from him. Um, other standout, not in a not in a good way. I, I do want to call out the officiating in that game because I feel <laughs> like there was a lot of poor decisions, not just for like against us, but also for, like for us as well. Like there was some like the roughing the passer on Trevor when. Obviously, he got tugged down. I know he appealed for it, but what player isn't going to? Like, if there's any contact, any player's going to kind of throw their hands up. But I felt that was harsh. And, and like, the spot of the ball, when, when we say about going for it on the fourth down, I don't personally feel like we should have even been in that position. We we looked like we got it on second. And if not, like, I, I think it looked like we got it on third as well. So uh, it was pretty poor, pretty poor shown by the officials, I think. I believe the um, it was the first year official this year um, this week as well, wasn't it? I think yeah, I, you are right on that one, actually. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think I recall um, the commentator saying that the actual the main official was a first year official because um, I remember them consulting for quite a while at one stage, and I see all the fans and stuff were booing in the stands um, because there was an older um, there was an older official that was kind of um, confronted talking to him about some decisions that were made apparently. So. Um, yeah, I hate to be that guy that does talk and blame officials for for a loss, but yeah, as you said, not even on uh, in Jaguar's favour. Um, I think it was uh, he was bad on both sides of the ball, and there was a couple of big decisions that um, really really messed us up. To be honest, that um, could have resulted in a completely different result for us. Um, I think finally, obviously, my player of the day. Um, I'm going to say Engram. Everybody knows now. See, I love tight ends. Um, and obviously it was tight end day as well and to watch him come back and playing against his old team um, and to have just such decent fire and have such a good game um, was just just brilliant to see obviously a lot of ex-players crumble at the spot Um, they tend to have um, a lot of target on them so they don't um, succeed but 67 yards for Ingram this week um, and it's just his kind of connection with Trevor Lawrence is just continuing to grow, um, which is obviously great to see. And um, hopefully we can just continue to utilise that. Um, and hopefully we start utilising that a bit more when it gets to end zone plays as well. Um, sorry, red zone plays, because we're just, we're still crumbling at that, those sort of situations and those sort of, um, those sort of plays at the moment. Um, yes, obviously we fumbled the ball on this one occasion, obviously this week. Um, however, we only converted two of five attempts in the red zone this week. Um, final mention, obviously, the defence when talking red zones. Um, the the Giants actually only converted one of five attempts in the red zone. So, obviously, that is one positive in there um, to kind of take away. So, that does conclude our podcast and our review of the New York Giants game this week. As I've mentioned already before, this is a slight change of schedule um, for us as you will get to hear our voices for a second time as we're going to do our Broncos review um, a little while later and hopefully bring you some news on the on the London game. One final piece of news, obviously, we want to mention, obviously, in this podcast is the announcement of James Robinson. So James Robinson was traded away last night um overnight to 
the New York Jets. Um, obviously, fans are torn. Um, some fans are, are for the idea and some fans are against. Obviously, what has happened, um, Robinson had played in 35 games for the Jaguars and he'd rushed for a total of 485 times for 2,177 yards and 18 touchdowns. In his rookie year, as an undrafted free agent, he had 1,414 scrimmage yards, which was the most by an undrafted rookie in NFL history. Um, he was a great member, obviously, obviously, of the team. However, he was at that sort of contract. This is a contract year, so um, in a few games' times, there would have been talks of how much he was wanting to be paid um, in a position that, some would argue that's not that we needed to that we're not going to want to pay out in that position because we have Etienne now. But Brit Jag, what what's your first thoughts on that? So are you heartbroken that we've lost Robinson, or are you are you kind of happy with that sort of trade? Um, a bit a bit of both. Um, like I say, he seemed like it was a really nice story, that kind of underdog, and see him to see him achieving stuff for us. And let's face it, being one of very few bright sparks in the in the last couple of years. Um, we haven't had an awful lot to shout about, but to see him achieving what he was was good to see. Um, but on the flip side, I do see it making business sense because realistically, we are not in cap hell this off season, but we're going to have to be very smart with with what we spend and where we spend it. And as you said, like with ETN looking like a a real prospect and only obviously being in still in the middle of his rookie deal um it's just a, a position that we really can't afford to be spending a lot of money and and obviously he is a talented player um questions over obviously he had a, the big injury last year but he does seem to have had a few niggly injuries throughout his career so in the running back position the those things tend to kind of become more and more recurrent um, as the career progresses. Um, so it probably seems like it is the right time for us and him to part ways. I mean, he's going to go now to the Jets who have lost their, their number one running back um, to a team that's got a winning record, that's got potential of going to the playoffs. He's going to be their number one running back. Zach Wilson has not been kind of set in the league alight. Um, I think he's only scored one touch passing touchdown in four games. Um, so there's there's going to be lots of opportunities for him, and he's he's got the opportunity to go out there and kind of put himself out there. And I, I don't know what the jet situation is, but if they're in a position to maybe get that big payday at the end of the year, so um, I think it's a good situation for him to, to find himself in. Um, I would have hoped for a little bit better than a sixth, potentially going up to a fifth, maybe at least moving that up to a fifth, going up to a fourth, but. It is what it is. If that's the only offer that was on the table, then then we've taken it. I know that we are going to be getting the, their number one or their the highest pick um, of whatever round we end up getting a pick for. So if it does end up being the fifth round pick, they have traded away or they they've accrued one from Houston, which you'd expect to be either the first or second round first or second pick of the round. So you'd expect that to be a high one. Um, uh, so I suppose as close to a fourth as you could possibly get without it being a fourth. So um, I think mixed feelings to me, but I, I think it does make sense when you're kind of in the in the cold light day. OK, um, what are your thoughts on that, Robson? Uh, I kind of I kind of uh, mirror everything that Brit Jack said there. I think obviously from a from a fan standpoint, uh, I think all three of us could agree that he's given us a lot of uh, a lot of good moments in a very, very bad few years as we all know and um it's been someone that's been again i think everyone's back the story um undrafted coming into the league seeming to be rb1 for a for a team that wants to try and be on the up try and turn around it had, it had everything going for it i think obviously situation now where running backs don't have the longest shelf life so i think that's the way the league going obviously it's very i think as we've stated a pass heavy league um and i think overall from a team perspective i think we've got to look at it obviously like you're you're gaining something from him in, in terms of picks. Obviously, we didn't get anything for uh, we didn't use anything for him. We got something back from him in that aspect. I think obviously 
draft capital next year is going to be interesting. There's about five or six, maybe seven uh, players that are up for contract, uh, and it could be big money for a few of them, um, especially like Josh Allen and Juwan Taylor. They're two big ones. Uh, so I think it makes a little bit of sense in that aspect. And I think the aspect that Travis Etienne's more of a third, um, sorry, a three down back, I think you can utilise him in many different ways. And Robinson Robinson seems to be not that cowbell running back, but obviously seems to be between the tackles, uh, first and second down, punch them there, and then obviously out the game, really. So I think obviously, and obviously then Etienne's a part of this new regime with Trent Bolke. Um, also as well. So I think there was an element of that in there that wanted to make that work. So uh, I think it worries me a little bit because obviously we are a bit thin now in the running back room. And obviously he was a he was a massive part of some success that we did have, especially early in the season uh, with the Colts and the Chargers respectively. And I wish him all the best uh, in New York, apart from when we play them in, the, in December. But obviously I think we've got to look from a team standpoint. We are the Jaguars at the end of the day. Um, kind of got to back what the, what the regime are doing. And hopefully it stands us in good stead and we can make use of that uh, that pick, maybe add it to something later in the week before the trade deadline or into the draft in the future, and hopefully just make use of it, which we haven't done a lot of in recent years of lower round picks. So fingers crossed we can do that, to be honest with you, mate. What about yourself? I hate it. <laughs> yeah, I thought you might, mate. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm, against I'm so what, surprised. <laughs> I'm against what both of you have said, to be honest. Um, yeah, you can easily sit and say, yeah, great business decision. Um, we've turned... A nothing into a fifth round pick however I think that guy is probably would probably have been the difference maker on where we win and where we lose um, games for the rest of the season if Doug Peterson actually knew how to use the running back game effectively if I'm being honest so um, yeah I'm extremely gutted not even not from a personal perspective but um, I think he, he compliments Etienne very well I do believe that Etienne is going to be um, he is that he is that starting running back. However, I do feel that um, that Robinson does add kind of an extra dynamic. And where Robinson did struggle a few times and picked up a few injuries, which you both mentioned, that's because we, we, we relied upon him so much. The other running backs we had working behind him was what Ogunbowale. Um, like we didn't have like we didn't have any big names running behind him. Now we're doing now we're going to do exactly the same now with Etienne, who's already had a season um, long injury and um, which kept him out for his rookie season. Um, so he's already going to have some little niggle in there. Um, and now all we've got obviously to help him is um, is Hasty, who is a very similar running back in my opinion to Etienne. So it doesn't actually offer any any different sort of dynamic on that offense to be honest. Like. I think there'll be a lot more trick plays that we'll see like with the likes of Agnew and Kirk again and sweeps and stuff happening. But um, I just I just see what we've done to Robinson over the last two, two and a half seasons. And literally, we just grinded him and grinded and grinded him. And I say, yes, it was going to cause an injury that sort of happened. I can just see that happening with the likes of Etienne if we start utilising this run game as we should do. Um and I see him having all these reps and all these snaps. I, I can see it. I can see it just not ending well. Um, I appreciate the argument that we could say that he's only got 10 games left with us. But as we've mentioned, it's it's a contract year for him. So he's going to want to play outstanding. So, yes, we might not get anything at the end of it if we kept him for the full 10 games. Um, however, I think he was our best chance of winning now. And a lot of our fans want to win now. We had last year as that that write-off year we keep on saying write-off slash rebuild year and we're now kind of in we we thought we was in just a rebuild year but when we were finishing so close to games where we're losing them by a single score I think us trading away um what was probably what could have been some of our most effective part of our offense and helping to kind of extend drives and plays I think now giving him away um is kind of is a is a huge loss for us and yeah, really gutted about it, to be fair. Um, wish him all the best at the Jets. Um, and I think we paid him on the 23rd of December. So that could be a very merry Thursday night football as well. <laughs> yeah, a horrible time. I think it's 1, 1 a.m. kickoff for us. Yeah, yeah. For us Brits. So, yeah, that could be a horrible game. Um, and I hate seeing, I'd hate seeing the Jets do well, to be fair. Like, because I saw, obviously, Jets and us are on par. Obviously, we were both tanking for Trevor. Um, and obviously we we run that we won that race to, to get Trevor, but 
but I just hate now seeing the Jets be successful and doing doing well at kind of what they're doing at the moment. So um, it'll be absolute stinker to see um, James Robinson contribute to them making the playoffs potentially this season, which is exactly where we should have been if we didn't have our write-off year last season. So yeah, a bit of a stinker. So sorry to leave everyone on a bit of a negative. Um, you do get that from me every week, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, until we start winning, then that's going to continue. But hopefully back in London this week, we'll have another podcast and we can hopefully discuss how we're going to get back onto winning ways um, on our next podcast. So thank you all very much for listening in today. Um, hopefully it's not been too negative and it's not gone on too long for you. Um, but hopefully we can come back again next week. Um, Robson, firstly, start. How can they find anything Jags across the pond related? So obviously, if you want to listen to us moan about the Jags for about 40 minutes to an hour, then obviously just search Jags across the pond into any of your uh, streaming platforms that you do use. Um, again, we are a part of the full 10 yard network as well, which you can see linked with us on the Twitter at JaguarsGB. And again, follow our Facebook page at Jags across the pond, where you can find everything uh, Jaguars uh past and present and obviously coming up to the London week there'll be a lot of activity on there so make sure you uh you drop into that group and obviously have a look out for any any posts or comments that uh, may interest you and Brit Jag where can we find you so I'm uh, at Brit Jag on Facebook and Twitter and at Brit underscore Jag on Instagram um, as well I'll be kind of posting bits pieces about the London games and, and kind of my whereabouts so check that out um podcast is I mean, obviously, it's the same podcast as, as you guys, so we, it's the exact same content. Um, but if you do end up downloading it from one place, if you would subscribe and download it from the other as well, just because we're all working hard and it'd be good to get those downloads uh, just to help us help push us in the right direction. Absolutely. Thank you very much to you two for coming on again and doing another podcast. And we'll speak again soon. And thank you all very much for listening. See you all again soon.